everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I am Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey guys, what's going on? It is Jason. It's the podcast before Christmas. Because our next podcast will be, like, on Christmas, right? That's true, yep. This is the, yeah, all podcast eve or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you would do that. <laughs> and it's the the um, top ten eve podcast <laughs> is that called like pin ultimate or something is that what that is uh no the pin ultimate episode of our top 100 isn't that the second to last isn't that what that means maybe i have no idea oh okay well if that's not right then just pretend like i never said it i mean i've heard that word before i honestly don't know what pin ultimate yeah next to last yep boom drop some knowledge up in this piece well, I mean, I could break down the meaning of the word and be like, oh, yeah. No, I don't care about that. I just am happy that I knew, <laughs> I knew a word. So proud of you, honey. <laughs> yes, this is our, our our penultimate top 10 podcast. I don't know. It sounds weird. All oh, podcast weird. Eve, podcast harder, stuff like that. That's supposed to be like the sequel, not the prequel. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> this is the, the top 10 prequel podcast featuring... 20 to number 11. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, boy. Okay. Let's move on to news, which actually isn't very exciting because Kickstarter is a big dump right now. I gotta gotta be honest. Every once in a while, I'll see, like, one thing that pops out. I'm like, ooh, that's interesting. But it's one thing. Um... So I've got two things, though. Two things. The first one's what I'm really excited about. And it's a game called Winter Queen. Um, it's by Crowd D Games, but that's, I don't know a ton. Or Crowd Games? Crow D? I don't know. Crowd? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. But I was thinking, um, but the game designer is the same guy who designed Space Explorers and Viceroy. Ah, nice. I like both those. Right, right, which is what intrigued me. So this Winter Queen is an abstract game, which I don't usually like. But there's like, they have laid kind of a rich theme over it. I mean, in the Kickstarter, at least, about how there's this Winter Queen and she casts a spell over her queendom once a year. And um, all the sorcerers come and they're going to cast these spells to try to impress the queen and become her next advisor. So there's like this, there's these really pretty like gem gems crystals that you play with that are in a bag and they say they're the colors of the northern lights whatever they're pretty colors um and you on your turn you're like drafting them and then you're using them like putting them down in like different configurations in order to be able to draft spell books and then once you get the spell books you can activate the spells in them by using by drafting different color of gems to put on your spell books and not just on like the main board. And so I couldn't I don't know exactly what you have to do to win, but by casting spells, it's going to help get you um, victory points and other spells and all these different things. It, it looks like it it's pretty lightweight, but still fun. Um, there's like you got a player board that you can, yeah. The actual map board is double sided, so you just can kind of choose which side you want to play with, which you like best. And there's like these really nice crystals and um, kind of thick looking tiles. Like it looks like the production's pretty good. And actually, the box art is stinking gorgeous. Like, I mean, really, really nice. 
Um, and if you go in for like like a higher than just the basic pledge, um, they have the game in like three mini expansions. And one of those mini expansions is a solo expansion, which I know we have a lot of solo gamers that listen to us. So it seems like a fun, like almost like an Azul. I- I'm not saying that the, the game function is the same, but the idea of like really pretty components and kind of playing them in an abstract way to do patterns and, and take actions. Like it just seems like a kind of cool game. So that's Winter Queen. It has 12 days left on Kickstarter. And for the basic pledge, it's 29 bucks. The um, pledge of the expansions is 37. Yeah, this does look good. I, I like abstracts more than you because I used to play them a lot when I was in high school. But this one definitely looks like it has a theme. At least they're trying to put a theme on it, which is nice. It's not just black and white or, you know, a board with some squares. It actually is, you know, has some good art, has some good production. And they actually seem like they gave a crap when they put it out. So that's nice. Right. Well, I think that's what I don't, I, I don't like about most abstracts is they're just ugly. Like we took, we took some squares and printed them on a piece of cardboard and then gave you some pieces. Like I used to play Othello when I was in elementary school a lot in like this smart kids class that I was in because that's where it was. I didn't know about it until I got there. Um, I played it. And I mean, I played checkers. I don't play chess. I, I just, I don't, maybe I should try for a long time. I'm just like, I'm too dumb to play chess. Um, but they all just kind of, yeah, look terrible. But this has like really pretty artwork and like multiple shapes and multiple colors. Um and so I think it looks like it might be a good time. So, yep, check out Winter Queen. Yeah, this does look good. Um, and the second thing I found, which is totally, like, silly and has probably no real value, um, is something called Fruit Dice um, by Nanjian Games. Um, they make other games. But they're making these dice that have what look like um, plastic pieces of fruit in them. And they're so cute so the dice are clear the numbers are white and there's seven different fruits um and it you get like a a polyhedral set so you get those seven pieces the d40 68 d10 percentile die d12 and d20 um so you can use it i mean you could use these in some board games but if you do tabletop rpgs that's where they come in handy um so you can get apples, strawberries, grapes, pitaya, which is dragon fruit, um, melon, lemon, and watermelon. And they are so cute. Like the apples, there's some that are like cores and some that it's like an apple cut in half, um, slices of watermelon, the dragon fruit. Ooh, pineapple. Um, you can also like, if they reach a certain level, you can, there's going to be a mixed fruit reward level so that you can get a mixture of all the different fruits, but they look so cute in there. Like it's the dumbest thing. I, it is the dumbest thing, but man, I think they're so stinky adorable. Ooh. And if you back the fruit dice, you receive also cow dice. Do they have cows in them? Or a like D20 mi- milk in it them? It has a little cow in it. It's a D20 with a cow. That's funny. It's adorable. It's stinking adorable. So if you like just, I love dice. I love them. I have way too too many of them. They hate me, so I don't know why I keep collecting them. Um, Because I always like have these really great storylines and strategies in my RPGs. And then I roll the dice and I I roll a a critical fail. So, Um, but still, 
I I would want to play with these even more. So it's fruit dice. There's 13 days left, and it's 19 bucks for that seven dice set. These do look cool. I was looking at the apple ones. Yeah, like the one that has the apple cut in half, where you can see like the seeds and stuff. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, they're just cute and fun. So yeah, that's all the news that I found on Kickstarter this week that I wanted to talk about. All right, so let's move into some games played because that's my favorite part. So that's what I like to talk about. <laughs> um, so we played three games. We actually played more than that, but we're going to talk about three for the sake of time. And the first game we're going to talk about came in a Kickstarter that I backed. That's yes, right. you backed the Kickstarter. I backed it. I paid money for it. <laughs> they shipped it to me. So I do back some games sometimes. So just leave me alone about not ever opening the wallet, okay? Leave me alone. So the yeah. game the game that I want to talk about, that we're going to talk about, is Mountain Goats, which came in a three-pack of Mountain Goats, Sequoia, and GPS. We played all three, but my favorite one was Mountain Goats, so that's the one I put on the outline. And this is from, um, like... Board game tables, yeah. right? Boardgametables.com, yep. Which is crazy, but man, I freaking love on tour, which is theirs. That's so. true. They're they're really starting to get into some good like filler, like maybe a little bit heavier games. They're yeah, they're doing a good job. So Mountain Goats is a dice rolling game where you're trying to get your goat to the top of these six different mountains, and you're gonna do that by rolling four dice and divvying them up in values of five to ten to try to get to the top to get a token to score some points. If you can get one of each of the tokens, you get a bonus token to score some extra points. Um, at the end of the game, whoever has the most tokens is going to be the winner. It's super fast. It looks really cool. The little goat meeples are adorable. I like the art and the production. The box art is really nice. Everything I like everything about this game, and it's it feels kind of push your luck to me, even though it's not really. So I dig it. So what did you think about Mountain Goats? I really like this, um, partially because... You get these really, these four really cute mountain goat pieces that are wooden shaped meeples. Hello, that's the way to my heart. And so I think you get six. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. No, um, yeah, from numbers five to ten. So five of six of is that yeah, six, six of them, yeah. And so they're very mountain goaty, and even the pictures on these cards, which are just basic cards, which have numbers on them that you move up like a mountain. The whole time I was like singing like yodeling because it just it really was really fun like for so little of actual like content on a game like it's just a couple of cards and a couple of goats and some dice like it, it felt like kind of submersive and I liked it I really like that and you're you're really trying to decide okay do I want to get to the top of a mountain and then keep rolling that number so that I can keep taking point tokens from that mountain because if you climb to the top you get the point token for the number that you're at um or do I want to climb more mountains and split my dice up differently um, because if I can get to all of them, get the top of all of them at least once, I get an extra bonus points. Um, or do I want to try to go for the big numbers if I'm wrong? You know, it just, I, I like that, that you're, you're kind of, your move is dictated by the luck of the dice roll, but then also you get to decide what to do with it. So you have some control and some strategy over it. I probably liked it more because I won. So that was helpful, but... That's true. Um, yeah, I didn't win, but I still enjoyed it. And this is a re-implementation of a game called Level X. It's the same game, but this one looks like a billion times better. The other one was basically just like boring ponds and like blue with some numbers on it. This one actually has art and some goat meeple, so it looks cooler. But if you like Level X, you should check this out because it's going to be better. Probably never play Level X based on 
its description. I was like, mm, no. I mean, it's the same game, but I think the, the Mountain Goat team makes it a little more enjoyable. Yeah. Like, the whole time I was, like, thinking about on The Price is Right, where you play that, you try to get the, that, the mountaineer, the hiker. Yeah, yeah. The mountain hiker to go up the... la dee doo Yeah, <laughs> like i just could not get that out of my head the whole time it was fun yeah that's yeah true. i liked it that is funny all right and the next game we're going to talk about is a game we got for review from weird giraffe we like a couple of their games um fire in the library mm-hmm. um there's another one i just did a review for that i can't remember now i'm terrible um Oh, Studies in Sorcery or Degrees in Darkness. That's Weird Giraffe. Um, So the game that we're going to talk about today is Kingdoms of the Deep, which is kind of in the same universe as um, the Roar and Write. It's in the Animal Kingdoms universe. Loosely, it doesn't really matter, but it's in that series. There's a universe in that? There's like a series? Yeah, there's a game called Animal Kingdoms. There's Animal Kingdoms, Roar and Write, and now there's Kingdoms of the Deep. And we've covered... Well, after we cover Kingdoms of the Deep, we'll have covered all three. Hmm, Didn't know about that. Yeah. So Kingdoms of the Deep is a simultaneous action selection game where you're trying to move your certain creature, which is represented by a cube. I love cubes. Around on this map uh, along different like types of terrain. So there's going to be like coral reefs, um, ice, so on and so forth. And you're trying to get to the capital to get the majority of the capital of each type of terrain. And you may send one of your creatures to Atlantis. That's going to score you a point. You may try to send a shark after to eat somebody else's pieces, which, you know, will go in your bait section of your player board, which will then give you some special abilities. It's basically an area majority game with some cool action selection. And it has cubes. It has some tracks. And it has, um, it plays over like nine rounds or something. So it's pretty fast. So what did you think of Kingdoms of the Deep? Um, I wish there had been shaped meatballs. Well, there there might be, just not in our version. Oh, that's true, in the prototype. So I hope in in the actual version that there's like a little wooden-shaped shark. And I hope that, you know, I played like the purple octopus. And I would love to have moved around some purple octopi instead of cubes. Um, But I did like it um, because – and I think what's really neat about it is you've got these objective cards that come out for each round – on how you're going to get points. So you get points through the area control of the capitals and um, by things going into the bag. Wait, Atlantis going into Atlantis. Yeah, Atlantis, yeah. Represented by the bag. I pulled a Jason there. It's not a, It's not going to be a bag in the final copy, but it's a bag in ours. Oh, yeah. It's going to be like a tower or something cool. Yeah, yeah. So when you put things into Atlantis, um, you get points, which you don't necessarily want to put yourself in Atlantis because you it's no longer part of the game for you to move around and play with. Um, But if other people happen to do it, then that's where they go. Um, So you can get points that way, but then you also, there's like in-game objectives and then there's like scoring for each round. So not only are you scoring, if I have the majority in these different particular capital tiles, which are just certain outline tiles, which I, I normally hate area control. So I'm not very good at balancing that, but the other ways to score points on these different cards actually happened to work in my favor. So I kind of went after some of those goals because they were giving me 
as much, if not more points as the area control piece that I really stink at. So I like that you can kind of decide, okay, where am I going to go with this? And the different actions that you're allowed to have, whichever one makes sense for you and your style of play, you can upgrade that action or you can always like reset your cards because you're playing the cards to decide what actions you're going to take and they're kind of being spent out of your hand. You can reset whenever you want and possibly get a point that way too and then go back and use the actions that really help you. And I think that if I played this again, I would play it probably smarter and do that more often to try and get the most out of out of my particular strategy. So I think it, it's um, deceptively simple, and yet there can be a lot of strategy and a lot of thinking and analysis behind it. And, you know, I also really like the theme of underwater sea creatures. So I thought it was pretty fun. And I won. Um pretty good so i like that too yeah I, yeah you did win you won all the games we played on this day i know uh, everything was coming up katie i felt so great so i like that it has kind of like that concordia mechanism where you have to play the card to pick up all your cards right. um so because eventually you're going to run out of cards and the only card you're going to have left is you're picking up a card card but the other cool thing is if you play an action card and no one else plays that action card, you get a special bonus. So you're also trying to figure out, you know, well, I'm, you're trying to see who all played what cards so you can hopefully play yours when they're not going to. So you can get that extra bonus to make the action more powerful. I think that is cool. I, it just gives you a little something else to strive for to maybe get some extra actions in, in the game. So, yeah, I like this game. It's fun. Uh, I don't love area control either. I thought I did, but... The more I play it, the the less it's something that I enjoy, unless it's like Godfather or something like that. But yeah, this is still good, and we'll have a video up sometime. I did enjoy it, and I think it's going to have some nice production when it's all said and done. And I like the colors that are on ours, so that's good. All right, and the last game we're going to talk about is a game. It's a Chinese-designed Euro game, which is pretty cool. And it is called Pingyao. I'm not sure if I said that correctly, but that's what it looks like. Um... And this is a game about trying to create the private banking system in China. Yeah, that sounds it's a really... very interesting theme. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting theme. It sounds very boring and Euroy, which is why we're talking about it on our channel. Uh, it's a lot of gray or um, tan, I guess. And what you're doing in this is you're basically running like a central bank, and you're trying to move money from your central bank out to these branches. You're going to be lending money to yourself, borrowing money to help fund your branches. You're going to be borrowing money from branches to create new branches. You're just trying to get the biggest bank network while having the most, like, uh, they're these silver coins, like, basically, like, I don't know, federal deposits or whatever, while having the most deposits on hand. And you're going to do that through some dice rolling and some using the dice as workers to perform different actions. It's a really tight economic game. It doesn't feel like you're doing much pretty much the whole game. And then when you look down, you realize that, hey, I got like 10 of these things. I may win. So I know you didn't love this game at first. So what did you think about Ping Yao by the time we were done? Um, it, it wasn't bad. I would play it again. However, it is like um, a math-heavy, um, not stock market game, but what's another, what's that word? Economic simulation. Yes, economic simulation, which I couldn't give two farts about economic simulations. Like, I just, I, I again, I love China. The artwork is really cool, even though it's got, it has, I yes, it has a lot of yellow, but it's, it's like an antiquing kind of look to it. And all the beautiful Chinese characters on 
the particular copy we played were really nice and I, I liked that about it. Um, once I, I sort of understood the actions, it made sense, but um, if you like economic games, I feel like this is would be a good one to play if you want to actually convince people to play with you. Um, because most people are like, please don't make me play an economic game. And most economic games are super, super long. Like, hey, let's sit down for six hours and play this game. It will bore you to death. Sounds good? Yeah. Um, this is short. That's and true. So that you, is true. If you, if, if you like economic games and have a hard time getting people to play with you, I think this would be a nice one to kind of say, hey, it's it's quick. So even if you don't like it, like it's it's not going to make you want to like gnaw your arm off in order to get out of the game. So, but I think it, it was challenging enough to try and kind of figure out that I, I did enjoy that part of it. And I might like it better a second time now that I've kind of gotten some of my initial confusion out of the way. But it's just, you know, a theme and and like a, a way of playing that I don't really like. Well, I think you like the theme. The Chinese banking system is oh, a Oh, yeah, cool I guess the, mechanic, the mechanics is the problem. Well, no, I really don't care about the Chinese banking system. Like, if, if we talked about, like, the, I don't know, Chinese cultural, you know, <laughs> something. Like the gardens or the emperor or the opera, I'm there. I'm sure the there's Chinese an emperor symptom. No, I'm sure that the emperor is at the bank or the bank is funding the opera. It's just implied in there. No, it's not. So, yeah, this game, I like this game. I like economic games like this. And I like that the fact that you can bang this out in 90 minutes as opposed to like City of the Big Shoulders that takes five. Same sort of feeling that you get. But this one is a fifth of the time, which I enjoy. I think the theme is interesting. You're not you're never playing a game about china building their private banking system which is cool and the version we have that's everything's in chinese like all the characters the board the cards all the 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 text is in chinese which is awesome so you have to kind of just know what everything does because unless you can read chinese you're not going to know i think that is amazing i like the art i like the way the board looks i like this game a lot and if you want to see how the game kind of looks and plays there's a video posted so you can go check it out on our youtube channel so that was Ping Yao, and those were the three games we played. Do you have any more comments about any of these games? Um, I won a lot of them, and I should have I should have won Ping Yao, but I lost by a st- stupid tiebreaker technicality. Hey, I didn't write the rule book. Actually, you could have because you could be making it up because my Chinese is not that good. I can only read like some numbers, and I know what Beijing looks like. I was. I was reading the American rule book. Thank you very much. But I didn't read it. You could have made that up. I'll show you when we're done. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) All right. So enough about that. That was games we played. It was good times. Moving on to the main feature in our penultimate top 10 episode. Um, Tonight, we're going to go back to our top 100 games, and we are in the seriously good stuff. And because of that, you will probably hear a lot of games that you have heard before, um, because, I mean, Jason and I are married, so we, we share a collection of games, and we play games together a lot, as you see us talking about every week. So um, if one of us enjoys a game... It tends to be played more, I think. 
and um, and that kind of grows on us. And there's certain types of games that we both really enjoy. So we own a lot of them and play those a lot. And so um, there are quite a few crossovers on our list this week, and I am sure next week. So Jason, start in with your number 20. All right. So my number 20, I think, was actually Katie's number 21. And it is called Concordia. So this is a game with a really hideous box. I'm not going to talk about it too much because Katie talked about it. You're playing cards to move around on this board to set up basically, I don't know, settlements in different areas to score points and collect resources to get different cards in your hand. And eventually you're going to have to use a card to pick up all your cards so you can have more actions. It's a really good game. Uh, It's actually pretty simple to teach and simple to play, but there's a lot of decisions that you can make with each card that you play. And that's why I like it. So number 20 concordia yep i really like concordia and we just talked about that mechanic with the laying down cards to take your actions and then at some point recouping those cards to start over again with fresh actions so good choice my number 20 is um a dice placement game and the artwork is cool on this like we haven't played this in a while and i'm really sad because this game is so boss it's so good my number 20 is rajas of the ganges and so Raj of the Ganges, you are collecting dice and then um, whatever you roll them to be, that's the number they have. That number kind of dictates where you can use them in worker placement so that you can gain either points or money. And there are two tracks that start at opposite ends of the board and it is a race which I'm surprised I like this game because it's a race, but it's a race to be the first person to get your two markers to meet. Um, and I think maybe the reason why I like I like it, despite that it's a race, is because you could play this however you want. You could chase after all money and not move your, maybe it's not, it's fame or... Yeah, it's fame and I think money, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to move the one track at all, you could go all fame and not worry about the money because you are going to have to spend that money at times. And so you're trying to say, okay, is it worth to spend the money? Because I'm going to set myself back on meeting the end, but I want to do these things. Um, I love there's so many different types of things you can do on your turn. Um, Move down the river to get items. You're covering, placing things on your board, which can kind of build you an engine that you can trigger at another place on the board. Uh, There's just a lot of stuff going on this game and it's just so fun and really pretty. And they're just... Again, you play your own game, whatever works for you. And that's what I really like about it. And so that's my number 20, Rajas of the Ganges. Yeah, this is a good one. I think this will be a good one for a live Facebook play or something. Oh, yeah. But the problem is I always play with the elephant. It's the first player marker too much. And then I get distracted and I want that on video. That's true. You don't want to see me winning again on video. Oh, my gosh. I win this a lot. (laughs) That's true. I don't know if I've ever won that game, honestly. Because you, like, fiddle fart around and, like, do this, like, one thing that you like to do. Yep, that's what I like to do. And you don't do. pay attention to the other things. Yep, that sounds right. <sighs> so my number 19 is a game that I can fiddle fart around and do what I want to do on. <laughs> and it no. is Dinosaur Island, a.k.a. Jurassic Park, the board game. Um, so this is a uh, dice drafting worker placement game, kind of. Uh, you're drafting dice to collect different types of DNA, money, um, other workers, maybe be able to build a dinosaur. Then uh, during another phase, you're going to go to buy some assistants or hire some assistants, get some lab upgrades, upgrade your um, theme park, 
And then you're going to be putting workers into your lab to create dinosaurs, up your security level, um, make some money so you can pay for your um, uh, assistance that you have. And then you're going to be getting guests coming into your park and hopefully not getting eaten by the dinosaurs to score some points and earn some money. So this is a really cool game. It's pretty a pretty like heavy-looking game, but it's easy to teach because you can teach it in the five different sections, and it's not super overwhelming. So my number 19, Dinosaur Island. Yeah, this one's good. I like it. In fact, I like it more than you. So yeah. we may revisit that. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> my number 19... I thought was my highest Vitaliserta, but it's not. Oh, really? I can't believe that. Lisboa, I'm guessing. My number 19 is The Gallerist. Oh, yeah. I thought this was going to be your highest for sure because of the theme. I did too. So I'll, Uncle Vital, I love that Portuguese man. He's so great. Um, and The Gallerist is really cool because I do love the theme that you are kind of maintaining this art gallery and you're trying to get visitors in. So you're kind of working with that. You also want to get paintings in there. You also want to discover new artists and promote their paintings. You then want to get artists promoted and famous so that you can sell their paintings to help make you some money so you can keep doing it all over again. Um, it has, you know, the copy, we I think there's only one version, you know, to art, which is so, it's like minimalist and very functional, but also just pretty to look at. Like, I like the color choice. The color palette's nice. Um, I feel like, and, and I like that there's a lot of replicated symbology in um, Vital's games because now that I know it, I know it. Um, there is so much to keep track of in this game. Like it burns your brain. Every time I sit down to play this game, I'm like, okay, I know what I want to do. I want to buy, I want to sell a painting. Okay. So in order to sell a painting, I need to get a painting. Okay. In order to get a painting, I need to get this permit. Okay. I need to get an artist. Okay. I can't say, how do I do that? Okay. I need more stars. How do I know? Like I just, (laughs) it's just like, okay, how we trace back, trace the steps to see how I start to do what I want to do. Like, how do I even freaking get there? But I, I, I do love that challenge. And I think for me, maybe it's because Games like this that are so complex, it's the feel of what people who like to solo game get with like, it's, it's, you're challenging yourself almost because I don't pay a ton of attention to everybody else during a game like this, which I probably should. I don't know that I win this game all that often. Um, but I get to do it in community. And also in VTAL fashion, you are able to take these extra actions. You can piggyback off something someone else has done. So you still are interacting and paying attention to people. And that's another thing that's nice is that despite how heavy and how thinky your turn can be and someone else's turn can be, you could still play on their turn. So you're not like completely disconnecting. Um, it's good. I, I love the concept of it. Like the production value is awesome. Like Actually, you know what? I would do pretty well at this game because I know how to work the world market. But there's a lot going on. And if you want to challenge, the gallerist is where it's at. So that's my number 19. Yeah, good game. Uh, I'm going to move on to my number 18. <laughs> um, <laughs> so my number 18 is a game where you're trying to become the least popular, the most poor, and lose as many votes as Forest. you can. I like most poor. It's wrong. 
And this game is called The Prodigal's Club. And so think of uh, Brewster's Millions. It's kind of like that, where you're trying to spend all your money so you can end with zero. Um, and what you're doing is there's three different boards that you can play on. You can play on one or two, but don't do that. Play on all three. Where you're trying to, um, you're doing some worker placement to take some actions, to lose some votes, to get some cards that are going to help you get some kinds of symbols that are going to work together to help you make your family hate you. And then you're going to try to go to other places to get cards to help you sell your possessions to make a huge loss or to make back a little tiny bit of the $8 that your thing was worth. It's just a cool game of going to places and trying to make yourself just be scummy, I guess. I like it. It has really cool art. It's a pretty cool theme, and it's not one that's done a lot. So that's why it's my number 18, The Prodigal's Club. Yeah, I've already talked about this. I don't remember when, but I do like it. Um, I don't like it as well as maybe some other games, but it's it's good. It's a good game. There is a lot of stuff going on that for me, for some reason, it's hard to manage in this game. Um, I stink at it so bad, but it's pretty cool. It's fun. And I, it is a totally fun kind of offbeat theme that I, I really like because I love when you use different themes. My number 18 is the opposite of scummy. It's where you want to be awesome. And by being awesome, I mean, be like the best playwright poet ever to grace this earth <laughs> and stage your productions and my number 18 is shakespeare oh what can i say about shakespeare have you talked about shakespeare already i think so yes i'm not 100 i think sure. you have i don't i don't want to belabor it everyone knows i love it so in shakespeare you've got a player board that you're going to use to um get recruit actors to perform your play you're going to put um get together costumes for your actors you're going to put scenery on the stage you're going to win the favor of the queen um and yeah i mean i think that's it yeah pretty much yep yeah it's the box not great looking art um the art inside better it's better better. the actors look okay there's some really pretty like actor cards and you get to see all the for me familiar characters from shakespeare that which I really love, um, but not everybody does. But still, the game itself, you're bidding to take actions. Um, and then we also, I like to play this with the expansion, which is the backstage expansion. So any actions that you don't bid to use in main play, you can use on this little backstage board to get you a little extra something, which is nice. Because if you bid low, you get to go first, which means you can get some really good stuff, but you don't take as many actions. So there's just a lot of like great balancing acts happening in this game. Um, it's just it's it's and there's not a lot to it. Like um, there's not even a main board. You each have like a little player board, which is your stage kind of setup, and then there's cards and a few little chits, and that's it. I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, there's like a scoreboard, but that's essentially it. Oh right, right. Um, and there's tracks like. It's so, it's so, so good. I, I really wish I could play right now. And I am obviously obsessed with the theme because Shakespeare's my jam. So my number 18, Shakespeare. Shakespeare was my number 50. I just looked it up. Oh, so low. Shame on you. Yeah, I'm terrible. We're, we already know your list is fake news. It's fake fine. news. Yep. I've accepted it. So my number 17 is a game from the Italians. A game that begins with the letter T. In one of the many games that begins the letter T. And this one's called Trismegistus. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a game where you're taking on the role of an alchemist, I think. And you're, you're, dra- so. you're drafting dice to kind of turn these different elements into like gold and silver and all that stuff. So you can fulfill these different contracts that are necessary. Um, you're go- There's a whole lot going on in this game, and I can't really explain it. Um, and you, you're also trying to unlock different special powers on your bookshelf. You're trying to, um, I don't know. Basically, you're turning stuff into other things to complete contracts to score the most points in a really complicated way that only the Italians can do. <laughs> but but I like it. It has some cool dice drafting. All the faces can, all the dice can be used in I think two or three different ways, which is really cool. You can also follow on somebody if they take a die. If you have some lightning bolts, you can cash in a lightning bolt and take an action on their action, so you don't have to waste your own turn doing that that thing. Really cool. It's a fun game. It's kind of hard to teach. It's got a lot going on, but once you get it, it's super fun, and I dig it a lot. So my number seventeen, Trismegistus. Yeah, I already talked about this, and I have a feeling that it would be higher for me if um, we we played it more, if I played it more. Yeah, that's probably it's, true. It's it's good but and complex and thinky, but a cool theme, and you can do all kinds of cool stuff. I like it. My number 17 is a game based mostly on luck, and it's a game that I love so much, and it's a game that, shh, I bought my sister for Christmas. My sister the accountant who hates a lot of things, but she really likes this game. And that should be a resounding endorsement for you. And my number 17 is Quacks of Quedlinburg. Um this game is so great. I don't think we talked about it yet cuz we both really love it. We play this a lot. No, I already talked about it. Oh yeah, cuz you're fake news. It should be like in your I know. It should be. You're right. You're probably right. There's no reason it's not in your top 20. Yeah, I, this I game love Quacks. Is so good. It's push your luck, and it's it's meaty enough game that as you know, somewhat heavy gamers, we don't have a problem playing it over and over again, and then playing it and introducing it to people that don't game very often. So you're taking these chits out of a bag. You're using them to build your pot of potion. Um, if you get seven or more of the white particular type of chip more than seven, your pot can explode. And you're kind of pushing luck to see how many good chips you can get out of your bag and and yet not explode. And there's lots of different cool variants. Um, then you're drafting new chips to make your bag better. Um, and then each of those different types of chips has multiple um, special powers, which is really cool, that can change. You have these cards that are like events at every round, so that changes stuff up. You've got rat tails. You've got rubies. It's it's good. It's so good. If you haven't played Quacks yet, you are stinking missing out. It's my number 17, Quacks of Quedlinburg. Yeah, this is a good game. The guys from Board Game Rundown have been talking about this quite a bit. And yeah, I just think, man, I need to play that game again. I'm sure it's we'll play it during the holidays. I'm sure. It's about time I know what's up. Welcome. That's true. It's, Tim, it can't possibly make you smellier. Okay? <laughs> it's so, not actually Tim that talks about it. It's Bob. I don't know, Bob. See, I have a confession to make. I don't watch any videos about board games. That's not true. You watch with me sometimes if I put it on the TV. If you put it on TV, but, and then you fall asleep. That was what always happens. <laughs> Jason puts like, oh, I want to watch this thing about this game. So I'm like, okay, cool. Let's watch it. And I was like, who are you watching? Because there's a bunch of people that annoy me. I only watch I a couple people now. I don't want to watch. I, I like to watch Rado when he's playing good games, but he's... Rado, you've been kind of a sellout lately. 
I love you and I will play games with you, but I want to be honest and be your friend. So a lot of the people I don't want to watch. And so he'll put somebody on. I'm like, okay, this is fine. So I'll kind of watch it, but I'm doing something else, grading or whatever. Next thing I know, Jason's snoring. We're on some video of some dude in his basement that I have, I don't, he's got some weird outfit on. He's talking about a game never heard of. I'm like, what is happening? The production value is terrible. Of course, Jason is snoring and who knows where the remote is because it's hidden somewhere with him on the couch and I'm stuck watching and yet not watching these videos. So I think everyone should watch Board Game Rundown to make up for the (laughs) fact that I don't watch any videos ever. Of anyone. I don't watch our videos either. I'll have you watch a board game rundown so you can see who Bob is. Okay. I might like Bob. I don't know. Yeah, Bob seems like a pretty likable guy. Way more than Dan. I was like, there's somebody named Dan, right? There's a Dan and a Bob and there's Tim. Yes. Tim is uh, in the riveted, so is Dan. I think Bob might be too. I'm not sure. He's just silent. He's a silent participant. (laughs) Maybe that's why I should like him best. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Quacks is good. Yeah, I agree with that pick. I have derailed. Quacks is great. That was uh, my number 17. Moving on. My number 16 is a game from Martin Wallace, and it is called Brass. Either old school jank looking brass or the new shiny one that just came out a couple years ago. They're the same game, just one looks, in people's opinion, better than the other. I disagree. Um, brass is a game about building networks either by rail or by boat to ship some coal and iron to build other types of buildings maybe build some ports to try to score points you're doing that through some interesting card play taking out some loans true martin walsh fashion if you played like one of his games you kind of know kind of what this game is about but i like it um we even have a version that has a pasted up two-player side on the back so we don't have to do the Stupid house rules and all that and cover up spaces, which is cool. So my number 16, Brass. <sighs> um, Katie loves it. No, I have no idea where this is on my list, but... No, I don't even think it's on your list. I Probably not. I, it's just... See, we don't like all the same games, people, okay? That's true. It was not... It's, it's just boring. I mean, I'd play it again, um, but I wouldn't like it. <laughs> I mean, I Yay, that sounds like fun. It's it's just uh, I'd play Sherlock yeah. Holmes Consulting Detective again, but I'm not You are like a it. liar. You are a liar. You would not play it again. <laughs> You're right, I'm not gonna play that again. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, well my number sixteen is not brass. <laughs> my number sixteen is Clank. Um and I I won't differentiate between the types of Clank because honestly, I've only played the original, the OG, and um, Clank Acquisition Incorporated, the legacy game. But those two combined make Clank my number 16. I obviously played a lot of it because I played through the legacy campaign, which if you are looking for a legacy game, who this is the so one good. to so get for sure. Um, so Clank is a deck builder with a board. And so you are using your deck to move through a dungeon area to fight baddies, collect loot, and get back out and survive. Um, The legacy version adds all sorts of like missions and extra things that happen, um, some kind of long-term cards that can stay in your deck, some that can go in and out. Um, But I, I love deck builders, love, love deck builders. And I really like how this does it. It gives deck building a theme and a purpose. 
And I think it makes it an easy way to introduce people to deck building because they can see their act, their cards being acted out in front of them. And I think this is an, a nice kind of transition for that. And, and the game is just so fun and funny. Like it's like very tongue in cheek, um, like humor and flavor text and stuff. And I just really think that's great. So my number 16 is Clank. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, my number 15 is another Marty Wallace game that I think you like quite a bit. And it is called London. We have the old and busted version with the guy wearing like knickers on the front, which is pretty funny. Um, <laughs> I it, never noticed that. <laughs> it's a ter- It's terrible. Like it's gross. It is really ugly. It's <laughs> it's really ugly. But I don't even think that the newer version is any better looking. To be no, honest, it just has less gross art. It just yeah, it's boring in a different way. Um, so what you're doing in London is you're building an engine. You're basically building your own town of London. And you're going to be trying to reduce poverty in your town, uh, earn money, put some of the peasants to work, um, get different kinds of monuments to score points. But the tricky part is here, you want to get rid of poverty, but the more cards you have in your city, the more poverty that you produce. So you're also trying to offset all of that by building um, different sections of in different sections of the map of London out on the board or England or whatever. And for every city you have there, it's going to take away some of the poverty you get from running your your engine. It's really cool. Um, all the cards can work in a couple different ways. You can use them as a as a card in your engine, or you can discard them to pay for another card of the same color. It's really neat. It's pretty easy to teach, but it's got a lot of decisions that you can make in it, and it's really good, and it looks gross. So I like it. My number 16, uh, 15, London. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot which one I was looking at. Yeah. <laughs> I had two Martin Wallace games right back to back, and I got confused. Um, um, yeah, I like London more than Jason. Um, my number 15 is a game that also starts with L, and it's also a place. Um, and this is another Vitale Asserta game. And I can't believe it. I, this is my favorite. It has to be my favorite Vitale Asserta game. And that is Lisboa. I don't know how I got so high, to be honest. Um, I had a bad experience with Lisboa first time I played it. Uh, didn't make any sense to me. I felt like I didn't really get the full experience of the rules. And even for a while, the second time I played it, I was like, what is going on here? But in typical VTEL fashion, it's like, I know I want to do this, but I need to do these 20 things first. So I'm prepared to do this. Um, and I think it's almost even more frustrating in that aspect than the gallerist. Um, and so in Lisboa, you are like the theme, which I, I think is I don't want to say paste it on because I know that Uncle Vital loves um, Lisboa, loves Portugal, and, you know, really thought about the history of this. But I, I think it could have been other things. So you are. <laughs> you're not you're not wrong. I agree with you. <laughs> you're, make, you're putting these buildings out on the board. You're also um, taking different actions of these different kind of overseers of different areas. You're doing some shipping. You're collecting goods based on the things you put out on the board. I'm like not even doing a very good job explaining it because I don't, again, like every time I go to play it, I'm like, okay, I want to do this. How do I do that again? And it's always like, oh, well, you have to get these things here and then you have to have this much money and then you have to go here. I'm like, okay, so let, let me backtrack and find the first thing I have to start with. Um, so it is thinky and complex. I totally dig the artwork on this. Is this Eno Tool as well? Yeah. Yep. Um, not as minimalistic. It looks like Canadian money. <laughs> I love you, Canada. 
loonies loonies and toonies our neighbors to the great white north no not the loonies and toonies the actual paper money because it, it looks like it, the colors oh like in right, Ameri- right, right yeah yeah yeah. because in america we hardly have colors in our money or the money that has colors is the large denominations that i never see <laughs> so <laughs> i think 50 dollars bills are like bluish or something see i don't even know I don't often see $50 bills. We deal in tens and fives and ones on this channel. Yes. Ones, fives, and tens. <laughs> all green. Those are the ones I see. Uh, who knows what color 100 is in U.S. money, but uh, I certainly don't. But Canadian money has all different kinds of colors. And I mean, other countries do too. But it has that feel to it. And it has like the imperial kind of design with the people with the wigs and... Um, do we have the expansion for this? Because there is an expansion with a queen or duchess or something. Uh, Yeah, I think it's just a card. We don't have any of that. Oh, because I think that's cool. That would be cool. But it has that in- imperial feel with the look and its color, but it's like a faded, muted colors like on Canadian paper money. And I-, I think that kind of adds to the sense of this old world rebuilding the city of Lisboa from a fire or an earthquake or both. All flood, fire and earthquake. Okay. Uh, okay, good. I was like, maybe I'm crazy. T- what tends to happen is there is an earthquake and then the other things kind of fall into place from that. Right. Because yeah, you have right. things to catch a fire. Anyway, rambling. But this game is, is really good. And I think I like it because I still feel like I've yet to truly get it, which is so unlike me because I like stuff that I've completely mastered, but there's something about Lisboa that just intrigues me. And I want to keep playing it again and again to get better at it, to be able to kind of seamlessly understand the actions. So I, it's my number 15. It's high. I really like it. That's Lisboa. Yeah. Uh, that'll probably be on next week for me along with some others. Um, but yeah, I, li- I like that game. My probably four- nine others. Well, yeah. Well, some that you've already said, I mean, um, um so my number 14 is a Vitalis Herta game, not Lisboa and not the Gallerist. It is this, Con- Kanban. This is the Vital Love section right here. <laughs> yeah. So Kanban is a game that I don't think Katie likes too much, but nope. in essence, it, it still follows the same Vital formula. You need to do this thing, but you got to do these other 14 things first. And what you're doing in this is you're trying to make cars. So you're trying to get blueprints of cars. You're trying to get parts to put in the car. You're trying to put the car on the test track to give it a test drive, upgrade the engine, then take the car off the the assembly line and get it into your garage. I think I did the assembly line and test track backwards. But either way, you're going from blueprints to getting the cars off the, the test track into your garage. Um, there's a lot going on. There's like this weird, the part that I don't really like is the meeting part where you go turning your chairs to score some points. Seems like it's kind of tacked on a little bit, but I like everything else about the game. So my number 14, Kanban. And that doesn't look as good, nearly as good as Gallerist or Lisboa, but I still like it. Well, isn't there a new one with the Inno Tool Art? Uh, there's, yes, Kanban EV that just was on Kickstarter not that long ago. Yeah, that one looks good, but we have the old and busted one. Yeah, I don't like this game. Um, and maybe I need to try and give it another go, but I don't like it because what I feel like is the point of the game, making cars, is not whatever gives you points. That's true. It's it's mostly, yeah, it's, it's important, but not the most important thing. And I find that annoying. So maybe I'll have to give it another chance because I, I, I love Uncle Vital. I do. Um, but I'm just not feeling that game. 
So my number 14 is a game that Jason does not like either. No, it's on my next week's list. Number one. Shut up. Don't be mean to me like that. <laughs> Y'all know I love this game. And that's Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Now, some of you may say, Katie, that's not a game. It's like an experience. You know what? All games are experience. Okay. You're there with people sometimes enjoying yourself, figuring things out. That's the same thing with Sherlock Holmes and Sergeant Detective. And honestly, I have played this game with all kinds of bits <laughs> because I'm really into it. I love it. So there are several different sets. Um, I've played through the original, which, which is um, Ishtari, I think, um, yes, published. Yes, yes, It's not, not the best. Yes, there are some typos and such, um, but I felt like it never quite hindered me from figuring things out, but I don't know. It can be difficult. Um, the West End with the Jack the Ripper series, dude, that set is amazing. Amazing. And then um, the one I'm working through now is uh, Park. Come on, Katie. White. No. Uh, let me see if I can see it. Carlton House. Carlton House. And then they just released a new one, um, The Biggest Street Regulars. So you get, I don't, like 10 cases sometimes in the box to solve. And yes, it's a lot of reading. If you don't like to read, don't play this. To be fair, or if you don't like being read to. If you like deduction and you like thinking things through and solving things, like I have been watching mystery crime shows since I was probably too small to be watching them. And so figuring things out, who's the bad guy? Who's behind it? What's the motive? How did they do it? I've been doing that my whole life and reading books like that. And so for me, this is the most thematic, immersive type of game that I've ever played. And I, I, I love it. I would love it more if more people wanted to play it with me. Like that's really the downfall is I have a couple of friends that I know I can count on that are like, we're the Sherlock people. And I'm like, dude, you want to play case Sherlock? And I'm like, yes, let's do it. Um, even during the pandemic, my one friend, Athena, she's like, you think I was said, do you think we could Sherlock over zoom? She's like, well, I'd certainly really willing to try. So I dropped off like the London directory, which is something else you get and the map to her so that she, cause she likes to take notes and track down and find where everything is. And, I read the case and the clues and then we just talk it out together. And so we did it over Zoom several times when we were kind of quarantined at home. And it was it was good even then. Like it, it takes a lot of time and it's long, but you're figuring things out and you are the detective. And yeah, there's a game component to it where, oh, you're supposed to count how many leads you check and you try to beat Sherlock. I screwed that a long time ago. I'm like, forget it. Because I'm here to see if I can figure it out, follow the clues on my own, to get the right answer. And to, and they give you kind of a series of questions at the end of the case that you need to be able to answer. Um, and that's what I consider winning is when I can answer them all properly. Um, especially if you're a, a literature nerd like me, this game is boss. And if you wanted to get it for someone who is into that kind of thing, and maybe not even into board games, um, I, I would suggest starting with the West End, which is the second one. Don't go back to the original. Those cases are fine, but they're not as good. They're not as well done as all the ones from the Weston, the Jack the Ripper series on Whitechapel. So um, that's a long-winded discussion of my number 14, Sherlock Holmes, Consulting Detective. Not on my list, no surprise. 
Yeah, I know. Uh, my number 13 is a Steffenfeld game with a design, a co-designer, Michael Rainick, I think. Don't quote me on that. You know uh, I don't know. And, <laughs> and it is called Merlin from Queen Games. Uh, this is essentially a big rondel, and you're trying to fulfill different contracts on these cards. You're trying to score the most points for having a little bit of area control. Um, you're trying to score some points if you have the expansion by collecting these different little pieces that have numbers on them. You're trying to get points by getting Excalibur and fighting off the baddies that are trying to climb your castle wall. Just a really cool game, and this is all done through rolling some dice and then using the die to either move your character, move Merlin, or if you have the expansion to move Arthur to a action to take this or to a space to take the action. It's really good. Um, this is one of my favorite Stefan Feld games, if not my favorite. And it is my favorite Stefan Feld game, so there's some spoilers there. Um, I could say it's my favorite Stefan Feld game if I knew uh, games that Stefan Feld made. <laughs> uh, yeah, this probably is your favorite Stefan Feld game, actually. That, that would be my guess. I would guess that, too, but I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, this, this game is really good. It actually has, is a Euro game that has some color, too, which is nice. And if you like Stefan Feld and you like rolling dice, you like rondels, this is a game you got to check out. So that's my number 13, Merlin. Yeah, this game is good. And I like it better than Jason. I don't know if it's my favorite Feld because I didn't remember that he did it until Jason said so right now. So, um, but I do like it more than him. So more later. Number 13, Jason already talked about, and that is Dinosaur Island, Jurassic Park, the board game. Um, it takes up a massive amount of table space, um, but it's nice because those different boards that you lay out, uh, they all can kind of be taught in stages that match the boards, which make what looks like a really overwhelmingly huge game a very manageable to teach and manageable to play game for people that aren't, you know, hardcore gamers. Um, plus, the theme everybody loves uh, we have all the different shaped dinosaurs, which you know I love, and they're playing around, and I make them, like, roar and fight and eat stuff, you know. Uh, it, it's it's a good game, and it's nostalgic and fun to play and fun to build your own dinosaur park, and it's got tongue-in-cheek kind of, like, nods and hints to Jurassic Park and stuff, so I dig it. Number 13, Dinosaur Island. I agree. Very good. Uh, my number 12 is actually a game that Katie just talked about a couple games back, and it is Clank Legacy Acquisitions Incorporated. So I'm specifically putting Clank Legacy down because I think it's the best version of Clank because I've played regular and space, and Clank Legacy was the best of all three of those. But if someone wanted to play regular Clank, I would play that too, but I'd rather play this. Um, Katie already talked about it. It's Clank with a cool story that unfolds and new new things that come out, new twists, new turns, new baddies you may have to fight, new events. Just clank with craziness is what's going down, and you're trying to compete with everybody who's in your party to be the best clanker to win the game. It's super cool. We played through two campaigns, and I would probably do it again because I really liked it. So that's my number 12, Clank Legacy. Yeah. I was just telling Jason, I'm like, dude, I would totally play through another campaign and clank again. It's Even good. after two. It's really it's good. good. My number 12, I think Jason already talked about earlier because he's wrong and ranked this game too low. And that game is Parks. Um, Keymaster Games. Hey, I can't believe I knew that. Yeah, good but job. But 
I totally love Keymaster. The artwork on Parks is the Boss. You're taking just this really relaxing trip um, on a hiking path. You're collecting, you know, sunshine and, and water and, and trees and mountains. And then using those to go visit these awesome parks and kind of collect them. You can snap pictures along the way. There's all these shaped wooden meeples, which I love. It's contract fulfillment. It's, um, you've got these in-game goals. We have the expansion. I want to say camping. Is that what it's called? Nightfall. Nightfall. Shoot. Sorry, Keymaster. You guys are awesome. Nightfall, that you have tents, that you can kind of go on a little sideboard, do things a little differently, get extra in-game cards. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff happening in that expansion. Um, it's just fun it's it's very soothing but there are some choices you have to make because you're moving forward you can't ever move backward you can't share a space with anyone so how do you wait things out you've got two separate hikers to move um it's it's such a good game that's my number 12 parks yep i do like this quite a bit um my number 11 is a game that i've played solo quite a bit and you haven't played it with me yet and it is called clinic this is from Album Viard. He also did Small City and Town Center or something like that. Um, this is a game where you're trying to build up your own clinic. And you're trying to get patients in the door into the operating rooms or, you know, the physician room so they can see the doctor. The trick here is certain patients can only be treated by certain doctors. So if I have a white cube, it can be treated by a white doctor. A red cube, which is going to die if I don't get it treated can only be treated by a red doctor. All the patients, all the doctors, all the nurses, all the orderlies also bring their cars. So while you're trying to build up this like three-level hospital, you're also trying to make sure you have parking lots because you got to be able to park the cars. So it's a game of logistics, moving stuff around, trying to be as efficient as you as possible with your movements so you don't have to spend a bunch of time because the more time you spend, the more points you lose at the end of the game and you want to have the most points because it's a Euro game. So it's a cool theme. Uh, it has different mechanisms because nobody really does what Albin does in his games with building up buildings and trying to just be as efficient as possible. And I, I like it. So my number 11, Clinic. Yeah, I think this would be a fun game to play. It's just another one that you, for some reason, don't ever let me play with you. It's on the board of illegibility, okay? I mean, no one can tell that but you. But um, <laughs> that That is true. <laughs> it looks like cuckoo on there um but yeah i think it sounds fun and i think it looks cool and it reminds me of this game that my friends had when we were kids on the computer like they had a computer we i was too poor we didn't have a computer they had one where you could like perform surgeries and stuff on people like you were a doctor like it's not all the same but you had to like decide if it was an emergency or not and like I think it would be fun. Um, you just won't teach it to me. so It's cool. I'll teach it to you, but it has some weird spatial stuff, which is kind of my hesitation to uh, teach oh, it to you. Oh, crap. I think you can do it. It's not like turning stuff around. It's just you're building these buildings on top of each other, but they're kind of at a like a diagonal slope, so it messes with your head a little bit. So, can, yeah, I I try it? can I try pieces out before I place? Yes, you can. Okay, then I should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> my last one, Jason already talked about my number 11 is London. 
Oh, this game. I love this game, and I didn't think I would, especially because I hate Brass by Martin Wallace, um, because it's boring as crap. But for some reason, London, I think it's because it's an engine builder, and I stink in love to build engines. And so, I also, I love that the cards are multi-use, multi, multi use, so I can either play them down into my city, um, or I might need to use them to pay for another one. You're trying to minimize the poverty that you're making. Also, I like beat the pants off everybody that I play this with. Yeah, that's true. That is true. It's another one like, I don't know, my good games. And so that makes it also fun. But it's just because it makes sense to me. Like, just trying to get the balance of what cards to go down. Like, what am I willing to spend money or like certain kinds of resources on in to run my city? And what do I, am I willing to get rid of? Like all these great choices. It's, it's so good. It's ugly as sin, but it's so, so fun to play. So my number 11 rounding out top 20 is London. That's a good one. All right. So let's give our 20 to number 11 review right, of the penultimate episode of the top 10. Penultimate. All right. My number 20 is Concordia. My number 19 is Dinosaur Island. My number 18 is Prodigal's Club. My 17 is Trismegistus. 16 Brass. 15 London. 14 Kanban. 13 Merlin. 12 Clank Legacy. And 11 Clinic. And my number 20 is Rajas of the Ganges, 19 The Gallerist, 18 Shakespeare, 17 Quacks of Quedlinburg, 16 Clank, all forms, 15 Lisboa, 14 Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, 13 Dinosaur Island, 12 Parks, and number 11 London. All right, only one more episode left of our top 100. Holy crap, the top 10 is coming. The ultimate episode. It is the ultimate episode, the pinnacle, as it were, the capstone. (laughs) i'm actually really interested to see like i haven't looked at jason's list yet um i don't see it until we both put it on the outline for the episode so i'm interested to see if we match up on any i know there's going to be crossover but i'm just interested to see what's on his top 10 and see how it coincides with mine (laughs) yeah i'm i'm pretty sure we're going to have a couple in the top five or that are similar yeah oh yeah i think our placement is a little bit different but there's definitely some up there so what do you think is in our top 10? What haven't we mentioned yet that you expected to hear from us? I'm sure there's at least one of mine that everyone knows is going to be in my top 10. Tell us. It's Cthulhu Wars. It's Cthulhu Wars. Okay. Cthulhu Wars. <laughs> <laughs> it's World of Warcraft. Gotcha. Oh, no way. We don't have blood rage. <laughs> Warhammer 40K. Didn't see that coming, did you? I did. I saw it. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're back there in the room with all the Warhammer stuff. I just have it done. <laughs> yeah, I'm swimming in it right now. <laughs> um, no, there are some games I know that I probably gush about over and over again that I'm sure you all can remember and have been wondering where they are. Are they in my top 10? What's in Jason's top 10? Um, So tell us, give us some guesses. I'd love to hear what your guesses are. Um, Post them on our Facebook page. Or definitely, if you're a part of our group on Facebook, hashtag The Riveted, post them there. And if you're not a part of that, why not? We'll let you in. If you if you send a request and I see it, I'll let you in right away. I have time to don't even read your answers. I'm like, yep, in. Because we like having everybody in there. We like talking with everybody. 
You can also post it on our Twitter account or our Instagram um, or on our YouTube page. So we also put these podcasts out there um, in YouTube format as well for people to listen to. But there are tons of other videos out there on YouTube. Unboxings. Jason's going through and everything. Going through like how to play everything. I swear. I'm on a, I'm on a few reviews. Not very many. Um, I don't think our live plays are on there, but we have been discussing doing another live play. So if you have any suggestions or ideas about what you'd like to see in a live play, um, let us know. Maybe I could wrinkle some friends um, over the holidays into doing one with us. So, um, so many things to talk with us about. And that's honestly one of the best parts about doing this podcast is... Um, talking with you guys and and catching up with people who for some reason like to listen to jason and i ramble on for 45 minutes to an hour once a week yeah i don't get it but hey keep keep listening yeah yeah don't stop tell your friends (laughs) if you want to torture them too tell them about us (laughs) all right it's getting late it's getting late babe Yep, I'm done. I'm tapped out. I know. We need to conserve our energy for the ultimate episode, our top 10 of the top 100, the countdown to number one on Christmas Day. Right? Yeah, it will. Okay. Christmas is on Friday, right? I think so. This is so terrible. What's the date yes. today? Yes, yes, okay, it is. Then yes, it will it be it next Friday, next Friday. It will drop on Christmas. It will drop on Christmas. So Santa will bring you a little present. Or perfletar, depending on how you how much you feel about <laughs> lumpical perfletar. Uh, yeah, it's either lumpical beating with sticks or a present <laughs> um, to get our top ten games of all time on Christmas next week. So thanks everybody. I've been Katie, and I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. <laughs>